I want to tell you a true story about a man named Harland. Uh, Harland was born in 1890 uh, and when he was five years old his father passed away. At 16 he dropped out of school and left home to go work as a farmhand. He then faked his age to enlist in the United States Army and after being honorably discharged a year later he was hired as a railway laborer. He unfortunately got fired for fighting with a co-worker. In fact, by the age of 17, he'd already lost four jobs. At 18, he got married. By 19, he was a father. By 20, his wife left him and took their child. At this stage, Harlan was forced to move back in with his mom and get a job selling life insurance. And guess what? He got fired for insubordination. He was kind of a troublemaker. In 1920, he founded a ferry boat company and later he tried cashing in the ferry boat business to create a lamp manufacturing company only to find out that another company had already sold a better version of his lamp. The poor guy just couldn't get a break. Four years later he bought a motel and that burned down to the ground. Yet this determined man he rebuilt and he ran the new motel until World War II forced him to shut it down. At age 65 Harland retired with only $105 to his name. He felt like a complete failure and he became deeply suicidal. It was a dark time and almost out of desperation he began to kind of think and he realized that there was one thing that he could do better than anyone, one talent that he had and that was to cook. So he borrowed $87 from a friend, brought and bought and fried chicken using his own now famous recipe and went door to door selling it to his Kentucky neighbors. Can you see where this is going? Harland David Saunders or Colonel Saunders secret recipe was coined Kentucky Fried Chicken and he quickly became a hit. But wait before we get there Saunders tried to actually franchise his restaurant his chicken recipe but even then his recipe was rejected 1009 times before anyone accepted it. Can I say that again that's a thousand and one no's before he got his first yes. And I thought about that. I said, how many of us would keep going after 10 rejections, let alone a thousand? But his persistence paid off and the rest, as they say, is history. By age 88, Colonel Saunders, founder of the KFC empire, was a billionaire. And to this day, his face, complete with, you know, Western string and goatee and all that, remains central to the KFC brand. Just let that sink in. At age 65, he wanted to commit suicide. And by 88, he was a billionaire. Despite overwhelming odds, countless rejections, countless setbacks, Colonel Saunders wouldn't let anyone or anything defeat him. Today we wrap up a series called Move That Mountain. And if you've missed it, it really has been a series about moving the mountains in our own lives and moving the mountains in our world. But like we've been saying over these past few weeks, moving mountains is not easy work. It takes all of us using our time, our talent and our treasure to get the job done. And so in week two, Jess spoke about time. Last week, I looked at this idea of treasure, how we use our treasure. Today, I want to talk about talent. Now, to do that, I want to go to a well-known passage in the New Testament. It's actually a parable, a story that Jesus told, which has now come to be known as the parable of the talents. 
And I want to read it to you today, but let me just say before I start, I'm going to read through it and, and I might stop along the way and, and kind of unpack stuff as we go. Uh, I'm not going to kind of do it like I normally do, you know, read the whole passage, then at the end give you like three application points, you know, that all start with a P. Um, but what I'm going to do is we're going to go through it together. And as we go, I just want to drop sort of like ideas or ways of thinking that I think we can shift or change or that will challenge us when it comes to our day-to-day -day lives. You see, that's the thing that's so powerful about parables is that, yes, they point us to who God is and what God is like. They give us a theological construct. But at the same time, parables speak really practically into our everyday lives. And that's what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is, not con is concerned not only with eternity, but with ear infections <laughs> for the parents out there. Not only with grace, but with groceries. I mean, the day-to-day -day stuff, the things that you really care about, actually turns out God cares about too. So let's read it together. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. For it will be like a man, go, he's talking about the kingdom of God. He says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his ability. Now, let me stop there because in my Bible, in the NIV or the NLT, it doesn't actually say talents. It says bags of gold, uh, one bag of gold, two bags of gold, five bags of gold, because a talent uh, was a unit of measure. It was a measuring weight. Now, in the 13th century, uh, many years later, our English concept that came from the Latin concept of talent was derived from this. But in this context, it's a measurement of weight, of wealth. So, so let's read on. Then the master goes away. And he who had received the five talents, the five bags of gold, went at once and traded with him, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. They doubled their money. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, and I will set you over much. Enter in to the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered me two talents, and here I've made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. He gave him the one talent back. Now, I want to stop there and ask, because this kind of struck me as I thought about this guy burying that bag of gold in the ground. I thought, how much gold is in the ground in your life because of fear? And as I pose that question, I want you to consider the master's reaction. Verse 26, but his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was mine in my, my own with interest. At least I would have got some interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has 
will be taken away. It's kind of a challenging parable. <laughs> and I've read this many times before. Maybe you have too. And, and I guess the main point of the story is this. It's not how much talent you have. It's about how you use the talent you have. That's what Jesus seems to be saying here. It's not about how much talent you have. It's about how you use the talent that you have. And the reality is God has given each of us gifts, abilities, influence, talents, resources. That's a great message, but let's dig a little deeper because there's actually so much more embedded in this little parable. And, and like I said, I want to kind of go back through the, through the story again and pull out some fresh ways of thinking and looking at our lives, shifts that we can make. And, and I'm kind of excited about preaching this to you today because I really believe there's some, some gold, some truth, uh, so much for our lives in this story. So, so first of all, let me just say this. Aren't you glad to know that God won't hold you accountable for what He doesn't give you? That God won't hold you accountable for a gift that He didn't grace you with? That God won't judge you on someone else's scorecard? I know I'm grateful for that. But sometimes, here's the problem, that can lead us to a misconception that, that you're stuck with what you start with. And I'm stuck with what I start with. And I've heard this parable preached like that before. Like, you know, some people are five talent people, some people are two talent people, and some are one. You know, I must just be a one talent kind of guy. And so what God does through my life is really not up to me. I just got to do my best with what I have and God will understand, you know. But that's not what the text says. It's what we want to believe sometimes because it's convenient. You know, well, God, I, I, I'm just not good at that. Lord, you just haven't given me those gifts. It is what it is. But that's not what it says. You see, it doesn't say the, the talents were given according to the master's choice. It says in verse 15, each was given according to his ability. And I think this is important because ability is something that you and I can play a part in. Hello? We can actually, of course, there are certain abilities that you and I don't have. I might not have an ability that you have. You know, I, I can't sing. Not much going to change that. And you might not have an ability that I have. But one thing that we all have is the ability to grow the ability that we've been given. <laughs> I love how Stephen Furtick put it. He puts this, he says, We overestimate what we would do with the opportunity that we don't have. And we underestimate what we could do with the opportunity we do have. We overestimate what we could do with the opportunity that we don't have, what others have. Oh, if I could sing like that, or if I could, if I looked like that, or if I had that much money. And we underestimate what we could do with the opportunities, the resources that we do have, the gifts, the abilities, if we would grow in it. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, is that God wants to give you an assignment. God wants to entrust you with His wealth. God wants to entrust you with His treasure. God wants to entrust you with opportunities to glorify Him. He wants to entrust you with His mission and His priorities. And how much you can have depends on how much you can handle. And how much you can handle depends on how much we're willing to grow in the abilities that God has given to us. I want to confront the assumption that God decides what He's going to do with your life. Because it looks like to me these servants had a pr pretty big choice in the matter. So yes, you can grow. We can grow. You, you, can, you can get smarter. You can read books. <laughs> you can listen to podcasts. You can take training. You, you can be curious and learn some new things. You can get better. <laughs> and so that's the first shift I think this parable challenges us is to, to, to think growth over fixed, to think a growth mindset over a fixed mindset. 
my, my kids are learning this at school. In fact, they've been told in this whole growth mindset idea that came up, are we learning about growth mindset? I was like, wow, that's cool. Um, and what they've been taught is they, they mustn't say, I can't, but rather they must say, I can't yet. And I think that's brilliant. Because our gifts and our talents and our abilities, they're not static. We can work on them just like those other two servants did. They doubled their talents. And, and that's what Paul writes to his letter to the Romans. Uh, he says this, In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is to give, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. In other words, develop your leadership gift. That's why we do the Global Leadership Summit every year. And if you have a gift, Paul says, for showing kindness to others, then do it gladly. Can I keep going? I mean, there's just so much truth packed in this little parable. Uh, I hope you're with us. So, uh, so the second shift in our thinking is to think stewardship over ownership. You see, our talents are a gift from God. But actually, the gift is not for us. I mean, imagine buying a present for someone and then keeping it for yourself. <laughs> a gift is meant to be given away. And, and anyway, the bags of gold, the talents in the story, they never actually belonged to the servants. The servants were entrusted with them for a time. They, they always belonged to the master. Our gifts and our talents and our abilities are exactly the same. They're not actually ours. They've been entrusted to us to be used for God's glory and for His purpose. Someone said it like this, your talent is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to God. Now, maybe you've heard that before, but if you think about it, it's kind of scandalous that, that God would entrust you and I with so much responsibility. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I mean you'll hear a lot of sermons about trusting God. I, I, again, Steve Furtick talks about this in, in a message I listened to, but he, he, you know, we, we hear a lot about trusting God, but is it possible that God trusts you more than you trust Him? What? Like, can we say that? Isn't that heretical? God trusts me? Yeah, sure He does. He trusted you with something. He trusted you with a job. He trusted you with kids. He trusted you with breath in your lungs. Some people right now in ICU struggling to breathe would have give anything to have that gift right now. That's why the Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Guys, every breath we take, it's a gift from God. And if you live into your 70s, you will take, I will take on average 750 million breaths, nearly a billion breaths in our life. I heard that stat this week and I wanted to remind you of that because sometimes I think we forget how precious life is, how much we actually have if we'd have the eyes to see it. In fact, I really believe God has placed in my heart to tell you this very simple statement. And I pray that this just doesn't go to your head, but it actually goes right into your heart, into your spirit, that you've got a lot. You've actually got a lot. And, and I know, I know you're probably thinking, well, it doesn't feel that way. And I get it. And I think one of the major reasons in our culture today why we feel like we don't have a lot, I think it's because of comparison. Uh, President Theodore Roosevelt once famously said that comparison is the thief of joy. And I agree with him so wholeheartedly because, I mean, just imagine those servants for a moment. I mean, I mean, of course, these guys, I know it's a story, but, but in the story, I mean, these guys weren't the only servants the master had. I mean, a man of that wealth would have had way more. 
So these guys, in a sense, were the three lucky ones. It was a blessing just to have one bag. And I reckon the, the guy with the one talent, the one bag of gold, I think he was probably pretty stoked initially. You know, I got a bag of gold. Woohoo! Until he saw the other servant who got two. Or the guy that got five. And let me ask you, those of you who are watching this right now, have you ever felt good about your life or about what you had until you went on Instagram? <laughs> like you thought your holiday in you know, Rocky Bay campsite was epic. And then you went on the gram and saw your friend at the palace in Sun City. <laughs> Waiters and red carpet. Thinking, darn man, those Rocky Bay ablutions do need an upgrade. But <laughs> I, I think that should be in the parable. The first servant went on Instagram and felt sorry for himself. <laughs> That's like a modern day parable because that's what we do. We think shame. The poor guy only got one talent and I've only got one talent and someone else got five and that's unfair. But hold on a moment. Because again, I told you a talent was a unit of measure. And uh, if you do the conversion, that talent or bag of gold was worth about 6,000 days of a day laborer's wage. So the, the commentaries tell us. So in rands, that would be, I worked it out, at minimum wage, that would be about 1.2 million rand. So that bag was a lot. <laughs> I mean, how many of you would take uh, 1.2 million rand right now? Write in the comments. Whoever comments first and gets it for a million rand. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yes, it was only one talent, but it was a million bucks. And I bet you've got a million things to thank God for in your life right now. But we miss it. We miss it because we're so busy paying attention to what everyone else has or that what we don't have, that we don't pay attention to the favor that God has placed on our lives ever since the day we were born. Yes, it was only one talent, but remember with God, one is a lot. I mean, one is a lot. I mean, sometimes I think we, we have this like grand vision, you know, we're going we're gonna to get away for a whole weekend, spend time with God, memorize, you know, the Bible. But actually, you know what? It's just about sneaking five minutes with your Bible reading before the kids wake up. Do you see what I'm saying? We can't wait for everything to kind of align. God knew what He gave you. God's not mad over the time that you don't have. But we've got to snatch back the little moments where we can meet with God, connect with God. It's not about how much or how little we have. It's about what we do with what we have that counts. And I'm telling you, one word from God can change your life. God can speak to you in two minutes and change the next 20 years of your life. One drop of Jesus' blood is a lot. So for those of you watching and you know, who consider yourself followers of Christ and you have the blood of Jesus covering your sin and removing your shame and canceling the record of the law that stood against you, if you've got forgiveness in your life in Jesus' name, you've got a lot. In fact, you've got everything. You might not have what they have, but you've got a lot. And that's kind of the next shift in, in our thinking that this parable kind of challenges, calls us, invites us to, is to think abundance, not scarcity to break down our blessings so that we don't take them for granted. And I spoke about the difference between an abundance mindset and a scarcity mindset last week. If you missed the message, go back and watch it on YouTube or wherever you watch. Um, but, but look at the parable, verse 29. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. There's the word. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Guys, my prayer is that this message changes someone's life watching this, changes your life, honestly, because I think some of you listening to this right now, you think you're stuck with what you started with and you're not. I promise you, you're not. I got two more shifts I want to pull out of this parable and then I'm done. And these next two are, are a little bit quicker. So 
And the third shift this parable challenges us to is to, to think faith over fear. I mean, look at the text. The, the, the third servant, the one with one talent, says, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. And again, you might say, well, why did he hide the talent? Because he was afraid, it says there. But afraid of what? Of losing the money? Sure. Of taking a risk, maybe. Maybe he thought he was actually just being wise by hiding the money, securing it. And, and, and I think I sometimes wonder, I wonder if he'd invested the money and lost it all, uh, if the master would have been mad. Um, and somehow I don't think he would have been. Um, but you see, it wasn't what the, serv- what the servant was afraid of. I think it was actually more who he was afraid of. Because the, the text gives it away. I knew you to be a hard man, so I was afraid. You see, the servant had the complete wrong view of God. He saw the master... You could say the father as a hard man, unforgiving, callous, distant. How many of us still see God that way? It's been conditioned in us. I know for me, that's how I viewed God growing up. God was the grumpy dude with the long white beard sitting on some throne up on the clouds, you know, distant, waving his finger at me, waiting for me to mess up. And being a Christian was about, you know, obeying the rules, being, you know, being good, doing right. But of course, that's not who God is. God... God wants relationship with us. Now I know he's my father who invites me to call him Abba, the Hebrew word daddy. I know he's a good, good father who loves me, wants the best for me. A father who's entrusted me with talents and abilities, trusted you with talents and abilities and gifts that we have the freedom to decide how to use. He's trusted us with breath in our lungs. And yes, I do believe that one day God will hold me to account to how I've used what he has given me. But it will be through the lens of grace. It will be through the lens of Jesus, what Jesus Christ has already accomplished on the cross. And that is why we can live as followers of Christ without fear. The Bible says we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. So live in faith, not fear, and see what God can do when we refuse to bury our talents and rather use them for His glory. Final shift, fifth shift. Think multiplication over addition. I love this because this parable, like many parables and many stories in the scriptures, is all about multiplication. I mean, what happened to the two talents? They became four. What happened to the five? They became ten. What happened to the five fish and the two loaves? Well, we know they fed 5,000. Because we serve a God of abundance, a God of multiplication. And I believe God wants to multiply your life, not just add to it, multiply it. If you believe that, write an amen in the comments or give us a a praise hands or something to say, hey, you believe that too. Let me give you a simple maths problem. And some of you are bad at maths, so stay with me here before I wrap up. If I offered you a, a, a one million rand right now, I, I did this with my boy, William, to see if it works. He, he, and for the first question he asked was, is this a real offer? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sure. I'll give it to you in Zim dollars. But um, I said, if I, if I offered you one million rand right now, or one cent that doubles every day for 30 days, which would you take? One million now, or one cent that doubles every day for the next 30 days? And I'm sure I've kind of given away the answer because I'm talking about multiplication. Um, but, but work it out for yourself if you want to. One cent doubled every day for 30 days will give you, wait for it, 
374,182,182.40. Over 100 million. That is the power of multiplication. And so think multiplication, not addition. This is the God we serve. Think faith over fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Think abundance over scarcity. Think stewardship over ownership. Our gifts are not ours. They're God's simply for us to steward. And think growth mindset over a fixed mindset. Not I can't, but I can't yet. Uh, Not how long is this going to take, but rather how far can I go? See, it's not about how much talent you have. It's about how you use the talents you have. Your talent is God's gift to you. What we do with it is our gift back to God. We overestimate what we would do with the opportunity that we don't have, and we underestimate what we could do with the opportunity we do have. God has given you time, God has given you treasure, and God has given you talent. And so here's the challenge. This week, not someday when, this week, make a commitment to invest your talent in something. And who knows, maybe God will double it. It could be something as simple and as small as sharing this message with someone you know. Because I believe this message can be a seed for someone else. But don't bury it. Don't just go away and say, oh, that was nice. Share it. Take a risk. Have faith. Maybe sign up to serve for one of our, for our first Saturday day mission. Go paint uh, an orphanage or a home. Send someone a message of encouragement. Drop off a meal, take a course, read a book, develop a skill, share that idea that you've been wanting to share in the meeting at work. Don't bury your talent. Remember Colonel Sanders? At 65, he thought he had nothing except one thing, one talent. He could cook chicken. (laughs) He was rejected a thousand and nine times, but he refused to bury his talent. And guess what? At 88, he was a billionaire. And you and I are probably going to go from this place, wherever we're watching, and go get some KFC. (laughs) I'm going to ask that we pray. And so wherever you're watching from, if you're watching on your phone or on a TV or however, whenever you're watching, I'd love for you to just just close your eyes, open your hands and and just kind of receive from what God wants to say to you and and ask God, God, what are you saying to me? What, what What is my next step? How do I develop the talents and gifts you've given to me? Not for my glory, but for yours. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've given to each of us according to our ability. You've given us time and talent, treasure, gifts, abilities, resource, opportunity. Lord, help us to to start from a place of what we have been given, not from what we lack. Lord, help us to take inventory of the gifts that you've given to us, to to, to operate from a place of gratitude, not from comparison to those around us. Help us to live not from a place of fear or frustration, but with great faith in our hearts. Lord, thank you that you've entrusted us with so much, that we have so much. Thank you for the breath in our lungs. Help us to be faithful servants to you, the Master, so that we may enter into your joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.